Welcome back to another episode of Political Football, episode 11, Must Grove Home. That's right, it's a little play on words, a little pun. That's what we love here at Political Football. Zane Musgrove, as well as the rest of the Tiger squad, they're heading home. They had their Mad Monday, the bags are packed. Harry Grant's on his way back to Melbourne as we speak. But I tell you, he's only on his way back to Melbourne. And that's Ivan Cleary, because he's delivered himself a minor premiership to the foot of the mountains, even though he's a big Judas. Other than that, we've got it. This, this episode today is dedicated wholly to a season review of those teams that didn't make the eight and also a finals preview of week one's action. So it's a jam-packed edition for those league purists out there. Joe, you're excited about this one? Mate, week off last week. I've been uh, scratching myself for this episode. I've been itchy for it. Um, I'm keen to uh, debunk the finals round one and go over round 20 um, and just the season as a whole. We're lucky enough to be able to do it after what's happened this year. We're pretty lucky that we even got to continue the season, but... Yeah, mate, I'm absolutely pumped. Yeah, Peter Valenti's getting it done. Bit of rugby leg and Melbourne Storm. Uh, but let's get into it. Our first point of action today will be around 20 review. The key talking points first off here, uh, the Broncos set to announce Kerry Walters as their next head coach. Are you a fan of this move? I mean, it concerns Queensland, so couldn't care less. <laughs> Good luck to him. He's just lost him a couple of... Uh, Origin series, so they can have him, mate. Uh, keep him up north, away from the um, the good teams. But um, I mean, he's a good coach, I'm sure. But I think Broncos have a lot of other issues, player wise, to get sorted first. I don't know if they should be uh, putting all their eggs in a basket, coach wise, yet. But I don't know. I mean, it could go, it could pan out well, but I just think uh, the the list of their issues is just a little bit extensive right now, and I think them trying to create headlines over a coach signing is just a bit of um, a distraction to the real issues. I'm a big fan of this move, personally. I think Kevy, um, he's a man on emotions, he's a man of principle. He also may, may be a man of faith and conviction. We don't know that, like, much like <laughs> myself, but that's neither here nor there. I think he will be a great addition to the Broncos. They just need a bit of love. They need a bit of uh, Broncos DNA brought back into the club. The Seabold move was, was you know, death by a thousand cuts from the outset. I think this guy will again identify the Brisbane DNA. Again, it's, it's not going to be a one or two. I think they've signed him for two years on only half a million dollars, which is the amount of coaches get paid these days is only very middle of the road. Uh, and there's talks of Bellamy coming over the top, so it's like they're half in, half out. Uh, but again, I don't mind the two-year deal to start off. I think he will be successful, but it's going to be a, a long road back then. They need to get some footy plays in there. And this guy, this guy was a genuine footy player. Um, I know a couple of family members were a big fan of his uh, in the heyday of the 90s, the 90s Broncos team. And I think he will help re-identify their issue up there. I'd love to see um, at the end of uh, Billy's contract with the Tigers, Billy head up there. I think he could be a solid. And I'd love to see that sort of father-son connection uh, that you might see similar to what they have at Penrith on a lesser scale. But um, I, I'm a fan of this move. Not sure about the offering of Bellamy on a on, you say that on a ten year deal as a a coaching sort of a coaching director or you know director of football. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's all just smoke being blown, mate. But what like to a point you just had? What happens if he goes in there though and it's just as, as just as bad as this year? If he, if he like if the Broncos sign Kevin Walters and it works out, obviously they're geniuses. It's perfect. Good work. Good luck to them. But. What happens if he goes in there and nothing's changed? They perform how they performed this year, 
and no progress is made. What happens then to the, um, to the Queensland identity then in terms of tough, uh, hardworking, spirited footy players? Well, I think uh, in that instance, the, the key thing would be in noticing a, an improvement in the way they play, right? They lost a lot of games this year, but, you know, like you could, it's similar to the difference to the Bulldogs was that the Bulldogs competed every week. You know, you know they were giving 100%. Whereas you watch the Broncos play, and it was like they're playing touch football, you know, they're conceding 40 points every, every second week, if not every, every week. So, I so think, you think it's a culture issue? Yeah, 100%. They're entitled up there. I mean, I know uh, I was speaking to a couple of family members. They'll be split on. You see Darius Boyd do the baby reveal after they've just won the spoon. Like, what, honestly, what is going on? Like, full respect. I've got, <laughs> I've got no, no, no disrespect to him having another child. I think it's lovely. You know, he's been a great <laughs> player for a long period of time. But do it behind closed doors. Do it as a group internally. You know, if they did that in the sheds or on on a, on the Mad Monday or in a, in a private function, that'd be fine. But to go out there, you've just delivered the first spoon in thirty five years. We know <laughs> Queenslanders have two heads when it comes to their league chat. You know that that's all they're concerned about there, especially out there in Caxton Street. Like you've just lost your one, you've just won your first wooden spoon, and then you go ahead and you're celebrating. You know, and jumping all over Darius Boy, and by all means, get around him, get around him. But don't do it in that context. It just goes to show that you shot there. And I think Kevy will get in there, bring back that sort of Broncos um, old boys culture, and I think it'll be the benefit of that. But I think that's enough said on that. Time will tell, and we'll see what they're... Also, you know, about the salary cap up there, I think they've got a bit of um, cap constraints given how much they've signed their young guns too, but um, we'll see how he, he manoeuvres around that. Moving on to our second talking point. The clash of the Titans, Gold Coast, stocks rising by the minute. They've won five in a row. Arguably, you could say they'd be more damaged than the Sharks in the finals if they had a couple of more weeks of competition, as you usually would. AJ Brimson, how good is he? Beast, Your mate. thoughts on Absolute that, AJ? I'm, I'm nervous for next season. I just want to see him continue his form over, but like, you can't argue with his past few weeks. Yeah. It's insane. Every time he touches the ball, he's got that like hold-your-breath sort yeah. of like style. Um, I don't know, really electrifying. It's good that the Titans actually have a name now, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a team that has a house... Well, not quite yet a household name, but someone who is notifiable on the team who you think of when you hear the Gold Coast Titans. Like every, Most teams in the league have one, but Gold Coast haven't really had that one guy since, yeah. they, since they came into the competition. When I, I, I mean, 2007? Yeah, 2007, yeah, yeah. They had like Scotty Prince. They had a good couple of years there when they made the top four... With like Matty Rogers, Preston Campbell, and Scott Prince, and a couple of other like uh, Bailey and uh, LaFranchi in the forwards, but quickly forgotten. But uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, similar to the Tigers, they've uh, <laughs> they've struggled for success over the last decade. But um, I think AJ Brimson is following a similar trajectory, perhaps a bit flatter than well, you know, Tedesco was in twenty fifteen. Often say Tedesco's best season was twenty fifteen. If those people who know me, but um, I think you know he's he's definitely on the rise. I think he'll be in the Origin team. Uh, given the the outside back crisis that uh, sort of Queensland are in at the moment, but um, I just I'm just wondering whether this form that they've rediscovered this year, and then you bring in these big names mm. like Fafida, Fasul Malawi, um, and also um, who also Herman Sasa. Um, you know whether they how much they rejig. Imagine if you you Jai Arrow. I mean, I know he's going to South Sydney, but uh, and part of the reason they've been able to secure these players is because he's gone off their cap, but. You're, thinking, you're probably thinking at the start of the year, can't wait to get out of here. And I mean, uh-oh, here come the Titans. <laughs> here come the Titans. Here's AJ Brimson. Come on. 
Um, as Dan Ganane would say, Mark Thorsby, if you're listening, I know you're a big fan of uh, AJ Brimson. He's quickly becoming the goodbye king. Um, but yeah, moving on now to our next topic. Um, and the question posed here is, do the bunnies, does the bunnies thrashing of the roosters make them a genuine title contender? Um, I mean, that game was just a blowout. I, one of the commentators, I forget who said it at the end of the game the other night was saying how this doesn't, I like, it doesn't change his idea of the roosters for him. And I agreed hundred percent. Like you go through these floggings or it happens all the time. I mean, it was bad, but I don't think the roosters, you can rule the roosters out, but as well, I think this point here is a little bit ignorant to Penrith. Um, I don't think the Roosters are the one to knock off right now. I don't think they are the cream of the crop. I think it's Penrith. I truly think Penrith are the guys to beat and Melbourne's not far underneath them. So I, d- I definitely think the Bunnies, it it makes them look more serious on paper, but until until someone can put the Panthers in their place, I, I don't see anyone else becoming a clearer title favourite than, yeah. than Penrith. I mean, no, no one sees... I think everyone enjoyed seeing the Roosters get absolutely towed on oh, Friday mate, night. An, there's no other team. Yeah. Maybe the Broncos or Melbourne, yeah. isn't, but there's no other team I'd love watching get flogged more than the yeah. Roosters. So and, and it's just uh, so surprising the fact that like when they do lose, it's usually very close margins or by 10, you know, they don't usually sort of beat themselves. And after that first 10 minutes where they scored a try and nearly scored another one, you think, oh, here we go, the Roosters again. But the Bunnies just turned it on from there and... Sort of one of those things. Everything they touched turned to gold. Uh, Corey Allen looked like the second coming of Clive Churchill out there, <laughs> getting in behind the line. Um, I do think uh, like the Roosters get Manu and and Bmos back this week, so perhaps their edge defence. But does won't... does do they stop a sixty to eight loss? Those two guys? Oh, p- probably not. And it, uh, and again, I think um, in this year's format with the six to goes, I think again finally the Roosters are on the bad side of it. Oh. I think it was like twelve two. Combined, yeah. um, shame, shame it's against Bloody South and not Parra or West. Um, but it's one of those things, it's hard, hard to arrest momentum. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things, it was a tidal wave and Alex Johnson scoring five tries <laughs> to get the 20 and, and beat my man David Nofaluma to, uh, to the to Ken, Ken Irvine medal. So um, Bunnies, hot and cold. Remember the last, last week they lost to the Dogs? Yeah. You know, who were sitting last at the time. So... Again, Newcastle, same sort of issue as the Bunnies, hot, cold, hot, cold. You might, you might see Newcastle come out this week and, you know, put 30 on, put 30 on the Bunnies, you know. It's just, I just find their inconsistency in terms of the question posed here, making them a genuine title contender. I've taken, I've taken Newcastle. You've taken Newcastle, 100%. yeah. So I just think the, the Bunnies, they're, they're just, you know, even Wayne Bennett said he's not sure what team he's going to get, whether he's going to get these world world beaters mm. or a team that struggles to complete their sets, makes a lot of errors. Shout out to Liam Knight if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and um, and, 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 and struggles against it. So we'll, we'll see about that. I don't think it makes them contenders. I just think there's a, there's a big difference between their best and their worst. Mm. And coming into a final series out of the top four where you've got to win four games straight, I think it's a journey too, too far for them. So that, that's it. that's our position on that. Uh, next one, Young Raiders turning on against a spent Sharks team. They, they play again this week. They play again this week. All the Raiders gun coming back. Granted, Sharks had Dugan, Chad Townsend, and one or two others out. But this Raiders team was effectively, you know, a, like a, a New South Wales Cup team. Um, your thoughts on the Raiders? Are they the team 
outside the top four that can be a genuine title threat. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think if they replace those, the Eels in the uh, top four on the weekend, if Eels ended up losing to the Tigers, I feel like that would honestly probably be the highest competing top four in the comp right now. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, like, they're, you just see like, a bunch of young guys coming through their system. They're a point-scoring machine on the weekend. They still let in a few... Like late tries that could have been stopped and Sharks still scored a lot of points in that game but I just think there's a lot to look forward to in, in the Raiders uh, lineup for now in the future and all those players coming back in White and Nickel Clockstad on the weekend and I don't know Sharks I just think Sharks have tapped out now since they lost Sean Johnson they're just gaunties wonderful wonderful uh, moving on now to the topic close to Joe's heart, uh, one about the paralytic eels I've wrote down, I've written down here. Um, your thoughts on the eels' right edge defence. Can it hold up? I mean, we saw it. Gutho come across, across and save the day as Luke Garner showed into the backfield in the last 90 seconds of that Tigers power game to save you the match. You had Will Smith. Win you the game, not one of your halves, not Mitchell Moses, your eight hundred thousand dollar year halfback, but Will Smith come on and, and win the game against some suspect defence there on the Ed Tigers edge after being down eight points with ten to go. Um, and that right edge D, it's been the worst in the competition this year. The severe disconnect between Moses and Wonga Blake and Ferguson. Either Moses coming out of the line and selling out his centre and winger, or Wonga Blake coming out and making a horrible decision. Can it be nullified in time? Is Dill Brown the saviour that everyone uh, purports him to be? And what are, you, what are your thoughts on Eels going in? Ideally, they do get a double chance. That is, the, that is a critical thing for the Eels, I believe. I think since Saturday night, you've been sitting on that and just figuring out every single word you're going to say to me there just to attack my heart. <laughs> but, no, nah, look, it's pretty scary. And you asked, can they hold up in the finals? Well, against Melbourne... Melbourne just attack your weaknesses and it's obviously going to go all down the right side. I don't know. I'm, I've been a bit frustrated. I still am, keep saying the same things I've said through the whole season. You've got to mix the lineup up. You've got to try some people in different positions to find out what your strongest team on the field is. And the Eels have not done that. It's been Wonga Blake and Blake Ferguson on the right side for the whole season with no change. I'm I'm worried. I I'm not going to be surprised when Melbourne just drill the right side. I mean, you see, the Tigers put up every single high ball to Blake Ferguson, and you're just watching him under that high ball, mate. <laughs> he looks like the praying mantis of um. He's quite unemployed. Yeah, that's it, mate. Trying to catch that ball with those inverted arms, but um, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not news. Like it, they've got trouble down there. I think I don't know. I, I see. Someone like Brad Takarangi on the bench that could just be slotted in there um, outside or inside of Mitchell Moses to help him out. Especially if Wonga Blake is just so, like, he's just so, uh, what's the word for it? Excited, he looks like, on on the defensive line. If he his eyes just light up as soon as the ball comes out his way and he rushes out of the line <laughs> and he just can't return in time and Blake Ferguson just left stranded, always in a two-on-one. I think it's I I don't think it's much the problem's much more than Blake, I think it's almost solely him. I don't think Mitch Moses has done a bad job. It's just that he needs better help outside of him, and he's not getting that with Blake. And Ferguson just it's just two on ones. What do you yeah. do there? You practice those drills in training, how to beat a two on one every yeah, yeah. single week. So sure. 
In Twonga Blake, he's got Stingil. I think he should be in there for the first half. Try to score some points early, and then they should be bringing someone on there if they get a lead. And and that's one, yeah. one of the issues, I think, for Parramatta has been, I think I mentioned at the start of the year to you, is you're starting 17 in terms of its quality at its best. It's probably one of the best in the comp. But it's obviously a trade-off between that starting super starting 17, uh, like, Top top talent sort of quality mm-hmm. versus the the depth of a squad, uh, that like someone like a Penrith has you know next man up sort of mentality. So, I think that's been tested, especially like you know we've seen Campbell Gillard have a great season. Um, you know Madison's had his moments, and like Nathan Brown always very solid. Four packs been all right, but perhaps not as dominant. Junior Paulo's obviously been very good. He's my I love that. Bloke. Yeah, <laughs> he'll play. He'll play six next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez, imagine him one on ones with the other op- opponent half. Jeez, oh, uh, but moving on now to the Road Warriors. Warriors again striking up another win uh, against a depleted and hopeless Manly team. Uh, has Todd Payton, I know he's moving on to the Cowboys next year to be back in Australian soil for, I believe, for his family reasons. But has he awoken the key ingredient to the sleeping giants of the NRL? Will we see the tight, uh, Will we see the Warriors rise next year? They've got the addition of Adam Fanua Blake, solid first graders like... Uh, I uh, know you're not a fan of Kane, <laughs> Kane Evans. But also, you um, and Aiken, uh, amongst their current talent crop, um, obviously, Tulvasha Schnack at the back there. Um, do you think the Warriors um, are starting to get their mojo back in? Sort of a bit of, bit of toughness and resilience installed in this, this year, given the, given the circumstances. I mean... It's hard to it's hard to predict next year with them because, like, we've all seen so how much support they were giving given while whilst they were over here because of all the COVID restrictions and they haven't been able to go back to New Zealand. I'm a bit nervous that if they when they go back to New Zealand and they lose a lot of that backing and support and exposure in like in Australia, I think I'm worried their traction could slip a little bit. I I feel like being over here amongst the other teams every week. Um, on Australian soil could have like ignited a bit of their competitive spark but yeah I, I don't know I just worry when you go back to New Zealand and isolate the team and then the only NRL team in the country and they have to travel over to Australia every couple of weeks I don't know I feel that could be a bit of a concern for them looking forward but uh, they've done great things this year and it's good to see them they uh, kept some spirit and um, hung in there finished the season well yeah and our final talking point from round 20 was there's a storm brewing, second string storm uh, out, outfit um, put in a quality effort, just going down by two points to a Dragons team uh, that's close to full strength. Can they go all the way this year? And if so, how do they do it? I think they can, 100%. Can you ever count Melbourne out? No, but there has been a bit of a trend over recent years that their regular season performances haven't translated or haven't elevated as compared to a Roosters or Canberra have in September or this year as it is October. That's fair, but we also seen, um, was it last year, that, that game between Roosters-Melbourne? Last year, uh, Latrell kicked the field goal. Yeah, yeah. When Melbourne can pull out some absolute grub every single week. <laughs> no matter, they can turn it on whenever they want. If if I was uh, if I was a betting man, I'd give Melbourne a good shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of. It. I think Pappenhausen is entering uh, 
that sort of a very elite class of fullback in the competition. Uh, his speed, his passing game, um, just his everyday sort of. So he's every he's like an everywhere man, be like Tedesco. Um, you know, they're always there. You can always count on them. The speed on the outside of Adokar, Justin Olam doing a good job in the centres. Obviously, Cam Smith, the greatest manipulator of a football game in the history of NRL. Cam Munster, the mad dog, he's got great feet. Um, he can produce his top quality, arguably the best 5'8 in the competition. So I definitely think the Storm will be right in contention. I tipped about a six weeks ago a Panthers Storm Grand Final. That'd be 1v2. I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, given the circumstances. But again, I think the Roosters, it's a shame that flogging wasn't in a final because I just think we'll get into this shortly when you preview the uh, the Reg 1 finals. But geez, that could have awoken. Um, it could have been the best thing for the Roosters, that that flogging. And I, I won't sleep easy till they're out of the competition. Yeah. Nick McNamara, if you're losing, uh, all the stuff you've tagged me in over the last two years about the Tigers and everything, <laughs> I can't wait to tag you back in if the Roosters get get bounced this year in the finals. But uh, moving on now, um, with this, this uh, we'll usually have a commercial now, but we'll save that for a bit later. Um, the Unlucky 8, this is the season review of those teams that finish outside of the 8. So in each team's review, we'll discuss the team's shining light, their biggest disappointment, and what they need to mo- do moving forward to move up the ladder. Uh, let's start with the Broncos. Joe, do you want to take this one away? Yeah, six points. 16th on the uh, Premiership ladder. It's a lot of people very disappointed, especially after those two first rounds of the season. I I was walking around, chirping around that I thought the Broncos would be right up there, top four possibly. You had everyone doing the foot all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened after those first two weeks, but they just it was tumultuous for them. Six points. They won one game after the uh, Premiership restarted from the COVID break. And um, I think they've got a lot to figure out. Like, as we went over earlier, signing Kevin Walters is a good thing, but there's a massive list for them to go through player-wise, uh, system-wise, culture-wise, as you believe. Um, yeah, they've got a lot to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're somewhere in the same area next season. I can't see them moving too far. I think this is a fix over a few years, not just... you. Can, I don't think... I'd be very shocked if they came back and made the finals next year. Very, very shocked. I think you've hit the nail on the head. They've got a lot of improving to be done. Certainly not anywhere near their premiership window, as often is expressed. But moving on now to the 15th place Bulldogs. A crucial win against the Bunnies there in round 19 to drag themselves off the ladder. I think we can both agree that they were much better in terms of competing each week than the Broncos. A lot of 10-point or less games. Um, they gave it to a couple of teams there right up until the end, just lost it there in the 70th or 80th minute. And again, probably the worst roster in the competition, if you're being generally honest. Um, they like a bit of class there. I think Trent Barrett will be a good addition as coach. Um, I do think that he has been critical to Penrith's success as much as Ivan personally. I think he has been the, the uh, mastermind behind Penrith's um, flamboyant attack. So I think he'll bring a lot in terms of their attack, and they definitely need it. Um, in terms of their shining light, I think Adam, Adam Elliott, despite finishing the season um, with a shoulder injury and requiring surgery, he's signed there for another three years. I think he's the sort of player that's key to the Bulldogs' DNA. Sort of, a, I reckon he could be a better version of Josh Jackson. 
uh, by the time his career is finished. And I think he's a sort of uh, a tough, gritty player that the dogs love. In terms of their biggest disappointment, I'd say it would have to be Dallin with Tenny Zalesniak. They were signed there on big coin to play fullback, but now he's gone back to the wing. I don't think he's been overly bad, but just the sort of expectations as compared to what they're paying him, that's what I take into consideration there. And as I said, I definitely think they need to get a roster up, a sort of overhaul up there to get a bit more class in their outside backs uh, and forwards who are more consistent um, on, a, on a weekly basis. But going on now to the North Queensland Cowboys. Joe, do you want to take this one away? Well, again, another underwhelming Queensland team. Is what, I, what I love to see at heart. But, um, yeah, a bit, a bit of a shock, honestly. I thought they'd be better again. I mean, you, there was a lot of buzz when um, Valentine came back, which was exciting to see, but it just didn't materialise this season. I, I'm, not, I'm not that worried, though. The difference between them and the Broncos, I feel, is I feel like they can come back next season and actually put some points on the board and make a run at the finals. But, yeah, I'd be a bit disappointed if I was a Cowboys fan this year, especially coming off that new stadium being built. There was a lot of buzz and energy around the club. Um, I don't think that just dies, though. It definitely doesn't die, especially because they haven't really had the chance to use their new facility and and, um, reap the benefits of uh, their, their new plans. But... If next season things get a little bit more normal, spectator-wise, and uh, we're allowed to pack out some stadiums, I think the Cowboys can turn it around next year if they keep a solid roster. And Yeah, a bit disappointing, but I, I definitely think they can improve. Do you have a shining light for the Cowboys? Kyle Felt. Kyle Felt? Yeah, consistent winger for a long time. He's finally getting a lot more um, uh, buzz to his name and respect for what he's done. I know he's in the Queensland conversation this year for yeah. Origin. I think, unfortunately, he's been ruled out. He's going to have surgery, I think, on his ankle. I think he's going to have some sort of surgery, but I'm pretty sure it's on an ankle injury that he picked up. So Yeah, it's disappointing, yeah. but, again, I think it's good for him to uh, launch his campaign next year yeah, off, a ma- off a great great season. I mean, he was super unlucky to lose that um, try-scoring competition last week to Alex Johnson. Um, well, obviously, because... The Rabbitohs made that happen. Um, but, yeah, he definitely my shot in light this year. And I'm a big fan of um, uh, Tubby Ofito, the hammer. He, the speed on the outside. I think one time he rocked up, uh, racked up 38 k's an hour on the sp- speedometer. So I think he is a, a superstar. And uh, given their back three, if they're all firing Holmes, the hammer, and Felt, it's quite a good back three um, in terms of point scoring ability. So... Not all is lost for the Cowboys. Um, again, Jason Tomalolo, always consistent in his performances. Bit of a one-man wrecking ball up there. But moving on now to the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Uh, 13th position, um, 14 points they finished on with a, a variety of other teams there, the Dragons and the Tigers. Um, they started off with a bit of promise. They, start, they beat the, the Roosters at the start of the season, obviously with all hands on deck. With Tommy Turbo, um, Dill Walker, you know, and all, all the boys there that were start of the season. But the issue that the Seagulls will have and will continue to have is when you have such a, a high amount of cap invested in four players, that is the Trebojevic brothers, DCE, who on $1.25 million is just as overpaid as Ben Hunt, in my opinion. And also um, Marty Tapao, who's on like seven eight hundred k um, who does his job... I'd say 75% of the time. 
Um, so yeah, again, disappointing season for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they have. They can bounce back if they get all their trees back on deck. You They're know, they're losing Fenua Blake. So yeah, yeah, Fenua Blake. I I still think he is probably part of the issue there. I don't think there's much there if they're clearing the cap. Um, that, that's obviously a bit bit of room. You can get some you know, young, you know, Taniela Paseca has shown a bit of promise this year, even though defensively he is a bit weak. He offers plenty in terms of meterage. Um, so again, Seagulls not sold on them. Shining light, uh, can't really can't really think of one. Obviously, maybe maybe Jakey T. Always he always turns up every week, gives a hundred percent. He's a great leader. Um, love to have a few skewies with him down at Wharf Bar. <laughs> Um, Jakey, if you're listening, Long hit me up. Listening. Hit me up in the uh, off season once you're outside the bubble post Origin. Uh, but now moving on to the Dragons, twelfth uh, position here. Your thoughts on them, mate? Um, bit disappointing, especially for a, one of my dear friends, Hugh Money Morgan, out there. I know you'll be listening, mate. Um, yeah, super underwhelming. I had a chat to Hugh about this during the weekend. I don't think he was too surprised with where the Dragons are at this season. But I was. I was pretty shocked. Mm. I mean, I didn't expect them to go top four or do anything crazy, but I definitely thought they'd be near the eight or at least scratching the surface. So, yeah, fairly disappointing there. I think, what do you do when you, you know, what do you do when you put a roster together of blokes and you put all your chips in, you go all in on them and they're just underperforming? What do you yeah. do? Like, how do you... Is, this, is it time, again, to look to another rebuild for the Dragons, or do you rock out with the same squad and hope that they can improve and get some more points next season? What do you think? Well, I think a lot of it was overshadowed by the continual speculation around Mary McGregor. Mm. I mean, it came into the season, we all know what Dragons fans are like. They're very uh, parochial, very parochial bunch. Sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, another great joint, men- joint ver- uh, venture merger um, in the history of the NRL. Uh, with St. George and Illawarra linking up there. Shout out to Bill Newman if you're listening. Um, but I think, um, yeah, the, the, the they signed Zach Lomax to a five or six year deal. Mm. And I think it's good. He's, he's there for a long time. He was probably one of their shining lights, him and Dufty in my opinion. But this is what I'm getting to, is that they trained all season with him at fullback. They lost to the Tigers in round one of the competition. And then he was shafted to the wing. Yeah. I mean, what sort of confidence that he's found his position in centre now? I think thanks to they took some of the respons- they took some of the onus off um off Mary in terms of the selection committee there. Um and then Dufty came in the next week, played two weeks I think. He, they won a game. Oh, so they they went they went oh and two in those games as well. And then he was out again, you know, and then he came back again and then he actually got a consistent run of games. And he showed he's one of the best at taking fullbacks in the game. Obviously, defensively, being a small body, he's never going to be great. But it's a trade-off, and he offers a lot in attack. Obviously, um, got some Dalian points there. Scored 11 or 12 tries for the season. Just as many, if not a couple more, try assists. So there's plenty of points in, in his arsenal. And him and Lomax were into my shining light. In terms of what they need to moving forward, Anthony Griffin and my sold on him as a coach. I think he'll do a, a, a good job. I think he'll... Put some accountability in there. Uh, but they are losing Tyson Frizzell, one of their best players. Massive loss. Um, to Newcastle. So, um, again, I just... Uh, I, I don't see them improving that much. You know, they've got a young crop coming through. Um, I still, Not everything is lost with, with sort of Dufty and Lomax and him and Cody Ramsey. But it's just hard to see compared to other teams. Mm. Where where they get that added improvement from? Because they're not just in Frizzell, they're not just losing one of the best back rows. They're losing a head of experience yeah. who is an Origin rep, um, 
who brings a lot to the table just in terms of their culture there. So it'd be it's going to be interesting how they um where they draw their veteran experience uh, and leadership from after that. And now moving on to one close to my heart, uh, the eleventh place West Tigers. I'm just glad it's not ninth personally. If we're going to finish outside the eight, we may as well do it properly and finish a couple of spots outside. Um, I'll give. I think we'll get both our reflections on this one because obviously. Uh, given that my personal vested interest, but starting off here, um, in terms of my shining light, uh, it would have to be the transformation of a couple of players. Luciano Lelua coming for the Dragons as a 20-minute bench player, overweight. Mark Thorsby, if you're listening, <laughs> predicted him as one of the worst signings of the year. He's actually turned out to be one of the best. His brother Joey, on the other hand, potentially could have been in that former. Um, but he he has been he scored I think seven or eight tries. Um, he, it, I think he played eighty minutes in every game. Um, genuine uh, first grader now with some threat on the edge there. David Nofaluma, you know, leading the try scoring competition and all the stats for the wingers effectively um, the whole season. Um, and also Tommy Talao, big fan of this guy. Big fan of this guy. I mean, I would mention Harry Grant. Obviously, he's going to be a superstar. This guy. He'll be playing Queensland Origin uh, if the Adokar deal isn't announced before the New South Wales team is selected and then and by and Grant are playing for Queensland. You leave me no choice to go to go for Queensland. Now, of course, I'm going to New South, New South Wales, but I'd love to see those wow. guys go well. I'd love to see those guys go well. Um, Harry Grant, great servant in the club. He's going to be a great hooker. Great. I don't think Madge gets enough credit to get the deal up in the first place. I think it was one of his idea or department in the first place. To realise there was a bit of a shortage in the hooking department. He must have got his education from a good school. Yeah, that's right. Bellamy down there in Melbourne. Um, oh, and also, uh, of course, uh, you can mention it. Say it with me. Madge. Yeah, yeah. and uh, where'd he go? Uh, great Eddie's Rice School, That's mate. right. Edmund Rice Tradition. You've got to respect that gospel, spirituality, injustice, and solidarity. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. In terms of a, the biggest disappointment, um, it was just a... It, I'd say off the it was the way they treated Benji Marshall in my opinion. Um, that that in terms of off the field, like there's one thing to say is we're right to move on, but the thing to find out in the media just goes to show you know the sort of lack of organisational depth there. But uh, on the field, I just found it our inconsistency, especially in the middle of the park, outside of Josh Alloyer, um, really everyone else struggled there. Russell Packer, my goodness, uh, honestly. I, I, it's a bane of my existence. It keeps me up at night. There was one game there where he had three game, three runs for 15 metres. Like, are you kidding me? You couldn't put bloody Joe Blow out there and they could run for more metres than that. The bloke, the bloke's puffing after two sets defensively. I mean, he was good for about eight games there and he's just had a shocker. I don't know what needs to do there, but the sooner we move him on, the better. Uh, but that's enough dribble out of my mouth. Your reflections on the Tigers this season, Joe. No judgment here. That's all right, mate. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to burn my bridges with you too quickly here. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm more excited for next season. I think I'm. I'm one of the people who uh, I'm a bit glad that the Tigers are past their Benji Marshall storm cloud. Um, I know you wish that went a different way, and he got treated a bit better. And yeah, of course, we want everyone to be treated better here on political football. But at the same time. You've got a goal towards the future. Benji Marshall was never going to be there for a long period of time. Um, I feel like he should have been moved on from from the beginning. They never should have gone with him in the first place. But 
I think it's a good year to say goodbye to him, uh, say goodbye to Chris Lawrence and start really, really focusing on your youth. Uh, they've obviously, a lot of uh, good youth players at the Tigers have slipped away in the past few years. I think their focus now has to be more on just holding on to their good youth and keeping together a good a good system down there at the Tigers. If they if they held on to half the players they've let go in the past years, they we would be talking about them in the top four, hundred yeah. percent. But they just need to focus on keeping what they got. Stop looking elsewhere when you've got a good bunch of players under your nose. Yeah, and I think the uh, the culture is a big thing of the Tigers. Obviously, having a bit of a soft underbelly now for the past decade. Um, some unlucky years, you know, some unlucky fortune results, but that doesn't go to, you need to do better than that. Um, and I think uh, Madge um, is get, getting players there that, that want to work hard uh, and want to and strive for that sort of uh, turnaround of that culture. So that'd be big there. Uh, I don't want to go too much on the Warriors because we talked a bit about them earlier, but just perhaps your shining light for the Warriors this year in terms of an individual player. Just shining light spirit. I mean, they're all away from their homes. They're all away from their families. It's not tough. Um, I mean, it's not easy doing that for an extended period of time, especially when you're putting your body at sacrifice every week and you can't go home to your family. That that must be tough. So my shining light for them is just the spirit, just knowing they have it in them. Uh, I hope is a good encouragement going into next year so they can want to win and, and um, want to put points on the board consistently every week. So, I, th- yeah. I think for me, in terms of individual player, it'd be Toru Harris, mm. uh, much like Jackie Jaboyevich. Um, he just eats meters, defends well, does his job for the team. One of those players that you want in your team. Um, and I think he's sort of rediscovered some of the best form that we saw at the Storm. Even um, Harris Tavita. Yeah. He's... Harris Tavita! He's, he's turned into a young, exciting player. Like, he's one of those guys, he's starting to... When he gets the ball, you're waiting for something to happen. He attacks the line. He has mongrel in him on defense. He gets up and hits him hard. So, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of uh, respect for some of those t- uh, Warriors players coming up. And finally, Titans, just one shining player. Obviously, you mentioned Brimson earlier. Is there another player outside of uh, Brimson that you, you've thought of is advanced? I know you're a big fan of Brian Kelly. Oh, I am a big fan of Brian Kelly. Yeah. You, you know, I was going to say that. Yeah, I love him. I love watching him get out on the outside. He's just... Um, Got a lot of passion. Uh, yeah. I I like that young Titans team. Unfortunately, I I just think they're blowing a bit of smoke right now and I think it's going to wave away next season, unfortunately. I, I don't like to be a um, bit of a negative nerny, but yeah, I don't see the Titans going crazy next year. I, might, I think they might find themselves in a similar position this season. Yep, so there we go. There we have it. Those teams that missed the eight. I know we have a lot of fans of those teams who listen to the podcast week in, week out. Let us know your thoughts on our socials or send us a DM, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, but moving on now, before we get into our finals week one preview, uh, that's right, it is time for Pooley's Beef of the Week. Um, I've thought about this one long and hard. I sent in the ask, Kenny, unfortunately, like last time, I didn't get asked. Uh, perhaps it was just a bit too long-winded, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it has to go to the Melbourne Storm. Uh, and their treatment and dealing with this situation about Josh Adokar seeking a release on compassionate grounds. So I've got a multiple level complaint on this one. Firstly, as an employer with any employer or workplace, you have the right under Australian fair work laws to seek leave or termination on compassionate grounds. Now, I think we can all agree here, unless you're some sort of Scrooge, 
that Josh had a car situation that he's lost five family members in the last two years warrants compassionate leave. We all know that you know he has strong ties to Sydney and and the Redfern community, all the boys around there. He need you know he wants a release. He's more than served Melbourne. He helped them win a premiership. You know, sure he's transformed into an Origin winger down there, but he always had that potential. He's been up there in the leading try scorers every year he's been there. The bloke is electric, is an Australian winger, and I think it's more than fair that he would seek a release and that would be granted by Melbourne. But the fact they're digging their heels in and not sh- and not releasing him is a show of what Melbourne is really like down there in the organisational focus. If it's not with their narrative, they tell you to get, get nicked, right? This whole the the position of a player being in a asking for release, all the chips are with the club that they are going to go to because they're not the player who's in who has a player that doesn't want to be there, right? And he's been the seasoned professional that he is. He's been the consummate professional because that's who he is. And I just think it's unfair that this gets dragged out. I think it'll be re- re- uh, resurrected or sort of uh, resolved post season. But still, them asking for a play in return. You've had 12 months. He asked 12 months ago, right? You should have been doing this for the last 12 months, right? There's Tristan Saylor, Jacob Saad. Every second week, there's a winger coming on the market. If you're so good, you could train him up to be as good as Adokar. But no, you want David Nofaluma. You want Tommy Talao. It ain't happening in Melbourne. So get moving and you release Josh Adokar. All righty, moving on now. We're going to go into my Nostradamus for the week. Um, I'm not sure if this is actually a Nostradamus or me just trying to manifest something. Uh, please let it be the latter. But going off one of my Nostradamuses from a few weeks ago, I have Cameron Munster kicking the winning field goal in the grand final this season. I still think that's that's definitely going to happen, but Melbourne are going to have to take the long road to get there <laughs> to that point because Parramatta are going to beat Melbourne this weekend. It's my Nostradamus. It's going to happen. If Eels want it, they're going to get it. They just got to work hard and stick in the fight, mate. <laughs> I can't say this is a straight face, but Nostradamus this week. Eels will beat Melbourne. Okay, yeah. It's certainly bold. It's certainly bold. I'm not sure if I'm with you there on uh, what I'm sold on, on uh, how accurate it will become, but fair play to you, and uh, we'll see how it turns out now. But moving on to the finals week one preview. How good's finals for uh, it's, well, it's not very good if you're a Tigers fan, but other than that, um, it's pretty good. Uh, so for each game, we'll discuss the key matchups and where we think it'll be won and lost. First off here, I think it is the game of the round. 1v4, the minor premiers striving for 16 in a row. The Penrith Panthers, the boys from the foot of the mountains, the Rough Riders from the 1-4 in, uh, over there in, the, in Penrith, uh, in St. Mary's, in St. In St. Clair's, going up against the, uh, the Bondi Billionaires, the boys who get someone with wipe their ass for them. It is the Sydney Roosters going for a three-peat. Your thoughts on this game? Who are you taking and where um, do you think it'll be won? I'm so excited for this game, mate. Honestly. Panthers-Roosters couldn't ask for a better round one matchup straight away to kick us off for the first game of the finals. I think Panthers are going to be licking their lips. I reckon this is their opportunity to just punch the Roosters in the mouth and show every single other team that they're, they're, they're the real deal this year, even though they've already shown us that throughout the whole year. But I think Panthers make a statement in this one. I think they beat them by a dozen. Um, but I think it'll be more... It, it won't be... Ref- the beating won't be reflected in the score. It'll be reflecting in just an all-round dominant performance. I, I just... 
yeah, I think the Panthers are going to run all over the Roosters this weekend. Your key matchup here. Key matchups in the middle for me. You got uh, Jared Warrior, Hargraves, and a couple of big Roosters players in the middle versus just such a young, electric, um, and powerful Panthers pack. I think battle up the middle is most important. Uh, Pan- Penrith don't make mistakes. They're, they're, they're not making errors lately. So if, the, if their pack can just stay and complete their sets, I think uh, the boys out wide can um, finish off the, the completions and put points on the board. But I think it's, as a lot of finals games are, I think it's one up the middle this game. The outside backs of both teams um, are both amazing to watch and very highly regarded and respected players. But in a tough game of finals footy against 1v4, I think it's one up the middle. I have to agree with you there. Just for a slight point of difference, I'll, I'll, let's go to the outside backs. I mean, you've got the critter versus Joey Manu, but for me, uh, it's two of the most creative halves in the game. Jerome Lua versus Luke Keary. This is mouth-watering. I think they've both got... Or Keary missed a couple of games, so he's just short of 20 try assists. Lua over 20 try assists. For me, he's been the spark plug. I know Nathan Cleary gets a lot of plaudits uh, for the where he gets him on the field and that sort of positioning. And no doubt, yeah, he's had a great season. But Jerome Luai has been a spark on it in attack. I mean, that left edge, you've got Luai, who's a running threat. He can throw a pass. He can hit the short ball to kick out. He can go out the back to Critter and then Mansour finishes it off. Uh, they're going to have the Roosters' right edge. They're going to have their um, work cut out for him in that position, especially if, as you said, Penrith get over the top in the middle battle there. But how can you underestimate Luke Keary? He's... Won three premierships by the age of 26 at two different clubs. He, 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 is, he is just the ability for him to sweep to one side of the ruck and identify numbers. Um, he's extraordinary. An Oak Hill boy, another Catholic boy. Shout out to the boys out there in Castle Hill who listen to the podcast on a weekly and regular basis. Um, so I'll just go for that. But I think my heart wants Penrith to win. As much as I dislike Ivan, I think it'd be great for Western Sydney as I predicted earlier in the year, for them to take home the title. I think this game is more important for the Roosters than the Panthers. I think if the Roosters want to go back-to-back, they need to win this game so they can get into the prelim final because they've had more injury concerns over the course of the year. So I think if Penrith were to lose the game, per se, I could easily see them going on and winning the next three games to, to win the title. So that, that's my um, takeaway there in terms of the significance of the result for each team. Uh, moving on now to Saturday afternoon, Saturday twilight, down there in the nation's capital, down there in your homeland, uh, the Raiders v Sharks. Do we see the Raiders telling the Sharks 13 plus? 100%. Easy. Put your money on 13 plus. Uh, this isn't a new story. I was down there a few years ago at um, Raiders Sharks. I think it was, wasn't the prelim. It was, was it the prelim a few years ago? Yeah, it was a prelim. Yeah, 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 I was down there, mate. Unbelievable live atmosphere. I think there's no there's no more dangerous place you can verse any team in the comp than the Raiders in Canberra. Just a different atmosphere. I think we saw it's different. We just saw a young team, a young Raiders team, tear the Sharks up on the weekend. It's I don't think we're going to see much different, if not worse, for the Sharks. And we see Big Papa come back. It's we see awesome. Whiting come back. Nickel Clockstar. We basically see their whole team. Yeah, yeah the, all the, the big bubbles come, come back. It would be quite uh, the the upset from the Sharks if they were to pull this off. They look like a spent force. Ironically, they finished the season on zero, four and against. So they <laughs> considered the exact amount of points. I think it was like 480 versus 480. Their defence has been a concern all season. They can put points on, but it's just their defence. Uh, and in finals football, you back a strong defensive outfit over a strong attacking team. 
over the last 15 years. It's an attacking team over 80 minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders are up there with the, the, the Roosters, Panthers and Storm in that regard. Play 80 minutes the whole time. That's where a lot of these other teams in the finals are lacking. Yeah. Storm v Eels. I know we touched on this earlier, but we might as well go through it again given there's a fair few Eels supporters that listen to the podcast. Um, I'm rolling with the Storm here. I just think uh, the forward battle between the Sofa Solomona and the big boppers of Melbourne will counterbalance any forward uh, progress that Paulo and Regal Camogillo get. Outside that, you go outside to the outside back battle, and there's just a lot more ways for Melbourne to win this game than there is for Parra to, Parra to win theirs. Um, I think just it's a bad matchup. We also talk about in the NFL bad matchups like Baltimore and Kansas City. This is like that in my regard in the sense that Parra's right edge D is the weakest and um, is the weakest link of their team, and then Melbourne's uh, left edge attack is one is their strongest bow of their of their arsenal. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just think Storm, it might be close. It could be it could be close. I feel like it's one of those. If it's close, it'll be you know six or eight points. But if Melbourne get on top, it could easily be thirty. Yeah, mate. I'll take my Nostradamus hat yeah. off right now yeah. and. Um, Let's yeah. Let's be real. Uh, what stop? Nothing stopping it from being the same scoreline it was last year in the yeah. second week of the finals. Eels have a, a tough job ahead of them. I just think getting getting that first twenty minutes in, if they can um, put some points on the board, then keep the storm quiet. I think that's the most important part. Other than the last twenty, first twenty and last twenty, for me, most important. But yeah, look, the storm have this in the bag just about, uh, but. Again, it's a, it's the it, it, there's no better uh, stage right now for the Eels to come out and put their best 80 minutes on the field. Against week one in the finals against Storm, if they can make a statement, I know it's unlikely, but if they can, I think they're a shot still. Can't count them out. I mean, that's just me. You know, you yeah, know uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a uh, biased yeah. Eels view, but... We wouldn't have any other way. We wouldn't have it any other way. But moving on to the final round... Final uh, game of the round one finals. Um, Rabbitohs v Knights, the second elimination final here. Um, obviously, everyone seems to be jumping on the Rabbitohs there after their performance against the Roosters. I wouldn't be so quick or hasten. As you said, you've tipped Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think you could flip a coin here as to see who turns up on the day. The advantage I will give Rabbitohs is they do like playing at ANZ. They've had some really strong performances at ANZ over the last six to eight weeks. Um, they towered Manly there. They obviously put the put the Roosters in the cleaners. Um, and Newcastle, away from home, even just generally, they've been one, one win, one loss, one win, one loss. So um, the Knights could get up here, but I feel like, as Kent said last night on um, 360, the Knights' uh, success is predicated on Mitchell Pearce. If he's up and about... The, you know, more than a 50% chance of getting over the top of you, and he's looking up with Ponga. If the rabbit, uh, but if he's not, then the Rabbitohs are probably more than likely to win here. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, the other games, of course, I'm excited for, but this Rabbitohs Knights one, I'm so keen to see how this turns out. I've tipped the Knights, I, and I'm, re- I'm quite confident on that. I think they're going to come out hard. They come, come out with a lot to play for. Uh, I to me, I think it's one of those situations where they're not just playing for their season now; they're playing for their season next year. They've got a couple good good players coming into the fold next year, and I think they want to finish strong 
and uh, give some people encouragement to get on the Knights uh, train next year. So I think they're going to have a lot of energy on the weekend. Rabbitohs, I'm just, they're just so inconsistent sometimes. Um, I guess we don't really know with this, this new team how they're going to step up under pressure, step up in the finals. They have the ability to score amazing points as we saw on the weekend, but I just think in a tough battle on the weekend, I think the Knights are going to get it done. Well, there you have it. Our finals week one preview done and dusted. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Comment on the uh, on the Facebook page who you think is going to get the bickies. Um, but yeah, we'll see how our tips pan out. And after this short commercial, we're going to have a very exclusive interview with a premiership win. Hi, Darius Boy here, former Australia, Queensland and Brisbane Broncos representative. Are you looking to host your next gender reveal in an inappropriate situation? Well, guess what here? At Boy Baby Reveals, we've got you covered. One-stop shop, planning, delivering, and executing in the most suitable fashion possible. Boyd Baby Reveals. All right, everyone, welcome back to Political Football this week. I'm very excited to introduce our guest uh, today. He's a long-time listener, great fan of the show, um, and he's become a massive part of our weekends uh, throughout the footy season. Uh, without further ado, here's our good mate, Mick Ennis. How are you, Mick? Good afternoon, Joe. Um, it's a pleasure to be here uh, on Political Football. I love this show. I think it's great that you boys are getting involved uh, in your rugby league chat as well as your bit of political arena there. Um, I think we need young people involved in this discussion. And I, I love your insights every week and I'm, and I'm keen to be part of the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate your support. Um, it's It's been fun. It's been interesting. And uh, yeah, we're a great fan of yours too. But Let's get stuck into this round. Um, finals week one, first off Friday night footy, Penrith versus Roosters. What are you thinking? Well, I've got to jump on the Panthers here, Joe. Well, I think they are an extraordinary team. The way they've galvanised the foot of the mountains, the way we've seen the Panthers fans come from everywhere to get around them this year, the, the amount of local juniors, it's just great to see. Phil Gould's plan has finally come into revelations after his tenure has finished up there. The likes of Jerome Loy, the likes of Nathan Cleary, the likes of Stephen Stephen Crichton. I think they have been phenomenal this year. And I've got to ride with the Panthers here. I think they'll make it 16 in a row. And and listen, Joe, I I think they might go all the way and make it 20 and break the uh, the Bulldogs' 2002 winning record there. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Um, What are you thinking in terms of points-wise? 13-plus or...? Look, I think this one will be a tight affair. Look, you can't discount the Roosters, right? They are, they are the back-to-back Premiership winners, right? They've got a great culture there. Trent Robertson, he'll be drilling them with the defence all week. I can just picture it down there at Moore Park. Moore Park, Joe, I can just picture him drilling, drilling, drilling. Defence all week, right? We know they've got their points in attack, right? We know what they're capable of. The likes of James Tedesco, the likes of Luke Keery, Joey Manu, and the Morris boys. Um, but I'm just thinking the Panthers at home at the foot of the mountains after winning 15 in a row. It's going to be a close game, but I'm thinking the Panthers by six to eight. Jeez, Mick, you got me tingles. You got me uh, having tingles there for that one, mate. Yeah, I, I just wish it was Friday night already. Um, but let's move. Let's move on to Saturday, the 5:40 game. Raiders, uh, Sharks down in Canberra. I know you have a bit of experience with both of these teams, so um, give us what your thoughts thoughts are there. 
Well, haven't I got fond memories of down there in 2016, the preliminary final, doing the Viking Cup right in front of the Canberra fans, getting them up after we won a close game against the uh, the Raiders down there. But being a part of Ricky's Raiders these days, part of the defensive unit, I just think they'll be too strong for this one. They probably should have finished in the top four, in my opinion, uh, given their better performance than the Parramatta Eels at the moment. But I just think the return of Big Papa, the return of Jack White, all these players are going to be extraordinary this year. So I think that's critical uh, for, for this game. And I think the Sharks, I think the Sharks, well, I think the Sharks are just going to have their backs up against the wall. And I just think they're limping into the finals. And I just can't say, even with the inclusion of Chad Townsend, even with the inclusion of Josh Dugan, uh, who I think is well past his prime, Joe, but I, I, yeah, I just don't see the Sharks doing anything this postseason. Perfect, mate. Um, I'm excited to see how that pans out. Um, I know Michael Redman won't be very impressed with what you've said there, especially being a uh, Sharks veteran. But look, it doesn't give me any any joy to celebrate as well, Joe. You know me. I'm. A, I'm. A, you know, I've got some fond memories of the Sharks. We need to take them to their uh, inaugural premiership in 2016. So I, I hate to say it, and those Sharkies fans out there, if you're listening, Scott Morrison, uh, if you're listening, mate. Look, uh, fair play to you, but I just don't think you've got it this year. No worries, mate. Let's move on then uh, to the 7.50 game on Saturday night. Um, I'm keen on this one myself, being a Para fan, but uh, how do you feel the uh, Melbourne Parramatta game is going to go down at Suncorp Stadium? The Eels have got to find something in attack here, Joe. They've got to find something in attack, right? First eight games of the season, we were waxing lyrical about them, right? 25 points per game. Wonga, Wonga Blake and Marcus Sebo down there being destructive on that, on that edge, right? Sean Lane, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, we were waxing lyrical about them. But since that first part of the season, right, they've been averaging just over two tries per game. And that's just not going to cut it against this Melbourne Storm, who's electric. The likes of Justin Olam, the likes of Josh Adokar, Cameron Munster, we all know he's one of the premier 5'8s in the competition. Cam Smith, the old master. What tricks has he got planned this week? We'll find out on Saturday night. And that's why I'm rolling with the Storm on this one. Joe? Yeah, I, I don't think that's too crazy from you, Mick. I think um, most people are expecting that uh, to come out of Melbourne this week. So... Um, a lot of eyes on that one, but we'll move on to the four o'clock game on Sunday to wrap up week one of the finals. We have uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs taking on the Knights over at ANZ Stadium. Uh, this will be an interesting one. Um, I know you had a lot to say about this one during the week, last week. Well, I think the Rabbitohs are a bit more hot and cold than Katy Perry's 2008 album though at the moment. Losing the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs in round 19, but then going ahead and destroying the defending premiers, in a statement piece last weekend, Joe. A statement piece. Cody Walker, one of the most remarkable games of football you'll see from a half these days. Just simply remarkable. Three try assists, two tries. He was in everything but a shit sandwich. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast, Joe? It doesn't matter because I'll Mick Ennis, right? And I think the Rabbitohs will go ahead and get this one. And I think the Knights, right? I just love to see Caelan Ponga and, and Mitchell Pearce, you know, show a bit of experience, show a bit of composure, right? And, and get the job done for the Newcastle fans. God knows the Newcastle fans have starved final football since 2013. And Adam O'Brien, I'm praying to God, has, you know, gone this week, put the last week in the back of their minds, right? It's done. They got dusted by the Gold Coast Titans. But they need to come out this weekend, show a bit of defensive resolve. The Saifidi boys need to step up. David Clemmer needs to step up. And they need to get the job done for the Newcastle region. Mate, 
I'd love to see you fired up, Mickey. He gets everyone um, up and roaring for finals week one. Um, I know you've got places to be. You're a busy man. You've got a lot of league to talk about with a lot of different people, but I appreciate a lot, um, and so does Tom, for you coming on. And, uh, yeah, look after yourself, mate, and enjoy week one. Thanks, Joe. Looking forward to it. No worries, mate. Yeah, just uh, echoing Joe's uh, statement there. Thanks, Mick Ennis, for coming on the show. Really appreciate appreciate you reaching out uh, and offering your uh, your time here today. Um, it's great to hear people will have experienced just as well as the uh, the average uh, Joe Blow from down the street listening to the podcast. People from all walks of life celebrating uh, political football and enjoying what it brings to the table. But finishing off here, we'll just go for one quick question. Uh, we don't want to run overtime. Obviously, uh, the finals chat has got us in overdrive. But quick question here from Joel Schiffler from Clapham in London. I'll give this one to Joe. Which team out of the NRL finals team would you most likely to circuit with? Who would you like to circuit with the most? Ooh, that's a good question. There's a, uh, yeah. There's a lot of teams I reckon would uh, have a bit of value out on the source. But um, I've probably got to say my own team, Parramatta. Um, I wouldn't. Wouldn't love nothing, nothing more than uh, having a few David Booners with uh, Clint Gutherson. Um, think that'd be a good bit of fun. Clint Frothersons. Clint Frotherson. Um Also Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses. Still A lot, lot of young, a uh, lot of young fun in that para team that I, I got to respect. Um, even same, similar to Penrith. A few young, exciting blokes there. But, but no, nah, I mean, I'd probably jump to the chance with any of them. Eh? Just have a good chat, good yarns, and um, yeah. see what they've got on the on the bevies. Um, personally, I'd probably go with the Panthers, just with their sort of youthful exuberance. You know, I know that if I was with those boys, they'd protect me, you know, to the death. I reckon John, you know? Jerome Luai would be quality. Yeah, Jerome Luai, the critter, yeah. quiet, quiet, and he would be uh, phenomenal. I'm not sure about Nathan Cleary, the big simp. You know, he'd he'd leave you to do a TikTok with a couple of birds, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, even someone like James Fisher Harris or or Liam Martin, the big boy from. Uh, is he Tamora? Tamora, mate. Tamora boy, yeah. yeah, yeah so uh, I think there's plenty of uh, city, country sort of crossover there, and I think those boys would be good. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's where we're going to leave it there. Again, uh, we have plenty of questions that have to go unanswered this week, so perhaps we'll give that more airtime next week. Next week, we've got a big budget um, political football coming up. Obviously, with the budget being uh, pushed back from May to October this year, the first Tuesday of October is going to be a big one. It's saying it's the biggest budget of our lifetimes. We'll see about that. Uh, we'll give all our feedback. Obviously, Joe will be bringing the education insight, and I'll be bringing the economic insight amongst other other sort of feedback that we will be given there. So stay tuned for that. And as always, substance over style here at Political Football. Stay golden. Have a great week, everyone.